Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well, and I trust you're enjoying these solo match review episodes where I just take 15, 20 minutes out of your day, look back at these Amy Community Series games that have gone down and give you some first thought reflections and reactions. So whether you've been able to watch these matches and just need some confirmation or challenge around some ideas, or you just haven't had a chance to see much footy this week, these episodes are designed specifically for you. It's MJ from the Coaches Panel today talking about Fremantle and Port Adelaide. Honestly, this one to me was probably the biggest learning games of the round. You could probably say the same for that Gold Coast match. Learn a lot in the Richmond match as well. But to me, this one to date feels like I've taken away a lot of learnings. And maybe it's more because within the community, there's been a little bit of pushback on a couple of these players or some concerns. So maybe it's a little bit of recency bias on that. But let's talk about Fremantle. If you're not on Hayden Young, um, it, it's... It's a catastrophic mistake at this stage. Yes, injuries could happen, but the role is there. The dynamic difference he makes into this midfield is absolutely huge. 26 possessions, seven tackles, two goals, three. So becoming a scoreboard impact midfielder and 114 in AFL fantasy and 115 in supercoach. The role is there. The fixture is there. The way it navigates you beautifully through both blocks of the buy rounds is there. And his price point is there. And his ownership volume is so high that now taking him on with all those variables in play just feels like you're inviting unwarranted and unneeded pain into your life. So if you're anti-Hayden Young, I, I don't understand why. Because everything you could possibly want is there. The only reason you're going against Hayden is because you are really, really bullish on being unique and you're choosing to take on Hayden. Sure. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But for me, with all those layers and elements that I just laid out before, I don't think Hayden's the one I'd be choosing to take on, but go with God and God bless you if that's what you want to choose to do. If you're bullish on Caleb Sarong, exactly what you wanted from him. 29 possessions, just cruised around in first gear. In fact, both these teams, I don't even know if Fremantle got out of first gear and, and I'm pretty sure Port maybe maybe got to the top end of first gear, if that. But Caleb Sarong owners, this is exactly what you're expecting. 81% time on ground, high 80s in AFL fantasy, high 90s in super coach. Um, really great outcome in this matchup. I, I think you should be really, really bullish on what you saw if you're already on top of him. Jordan Clark continues to be a really fascinating guy. Late last year when Hayden Young moved into the midfield, we did see his scoring elevate. Um, and with no Heath Chapman then, as well as now, there is a fair correlation that coaches might think, geez, I could get a five or six game stretch here of some really good scoring. He gave us 80s across the formats in this matchup. And, and it really importantly, um, didn't get lots of uncontested transition um, switching of the play marks and football. So a, a lot of his work was just the run and carry work that he's done. And so to me, I actually really quite am interested in Jordan Clark. He's also at that price range where I feel, depending on the element and appetite for risk you've got in other positions that you've selected, Jordan's somebody that you probably could be able to jump and then 
pivot to asylum if that doesn't work or pivot across to another of the three or four other options in this line, let alone in other lines that we could potentially look to activate. So to me, Jordan Clark absolutely should be on your watch list. And if you started with him, I wouldn't knock it. I think it's absolutely a viable and a reliable play. Andrew Brayshaw. I had a couple of our Patreons and a bunch of followers uh, across social media. And if you want to either become a Patreon or get in touch with us across social media, all the details are in the description of this episode. Reach out and be like, MJ, you were bullish on Andy Brayshaw. Uh, you had him high in the 50 most relevant. Are you cooling? And my answer is simply no. 24 disposals in this game, 79 in fantasy. What did he get in Supercoach? 84? Oh, but MJ, the, he, he wasn't on the inside the whole time. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. But what does outside players and what do Fremantle often have? A high possession game and a high mark and kick game. Go and look through their possessions in contrast to Port Adelaide. Ridiculously different. Go and look at this mark stat line for Fremantle, not just compared to Port Adelaide, but what we saw historically last year. There's so much on uncommon elements about this game for Fremantle that as the season, as the game went on rather, not just the season, Brayshaw was back a bit more present in that midfield. So to me, yeah, he might be the one that's not getting as much opportunity with Fife's increased midfield through that, um, you know, coming as the fourth banana in there. But to me, I think if you're bullish on Andy Brayshaw, I've seen nothing in this match, nor really in the other match, to concern me whatsoever. Um, the lack of marks and, and ability of Fremantle just have possession in this game really was the alarming thing. And I think it's politely because... They've got five or six players that they're going to make drastic change to their side. Their forward line especially is going to look radically different next week. So uh, to me, take of it what you will. If someone's fallen out of love with Andy Brayshaw, won't, won't talk you into it. But if you're fading him because of what you saw in this game, I think that's not quite accurate. There's a lot of unique elements in this game that's just not going to happen again. Um, it, given this preseason style of football, I'm far from concerned about Andy Brayshaw. In AFL Fantasy, for example, I think there's only a good four or five guys that I feel really confident that are going to average 110 this year. That would be Laird, Brayshaw, Golden, Green. Um, I feel really confident all four of them are going to do it. And yeah, sure, Bont, if you want to. I'm, I'm not as bullish on that. Um, in AFL Fantasy, but for me, I, I think that's there. In Supercoach, again, if you've fallen not out of love with Brayshaw, but just found others that you like more, wouldn't stop that. But from a buy round structural perspective, I think he's really, really a nice play and an option for us. And Nat Fife in Supercoach, we've got to talk about that. 26 possessions, four free kicks against, um, again, just the one tackle and a couple of marks. So really uncharacteristic. I'm really big on Fife in Supercoach now. I think you can fade him in Fantasy and Dream Team. Just the volume of ball is relatively high, like 26 possessions and, and still 
not even cracking a 60, whereas Supercoach, you throw some weighting of his impact per possession, the contested work that he does. You know that this guy, based on his price point, is going to be an absolute ripper for us. So to me, I feel like value forwards are clearly the way to go in 2024, and Fife in Supercoach should be in the mix for that. So for me, I'd happily select him with confidence. You've got 40 trades. If he gets injured, whatever, you can just be able to make that correctional trade based on the value of what he presents for us at this price point, um, a growing ownership perspective, and just the fact that I don't really like any forwards at all. I think you can select Nat Fife with a lot of confidence this year. I think he's going to be a ripper. Darcy was fine, didn't play much football at all. What it was at 40% of the game time, so I'm not too worried about that. Jeremy Sharp, I think some people are a little bit concerned with just the 10 disposals, just the three marks. What did he have? Uh, 77% time on ground and a 50, 51. Uh, Sharp scoring is mark dependent and matchup dependent. And Port Adelaide, remember, one of the hardest teams to score against last year. Why? Because of how they hold on to the ball, because of how they deny you the opportunity to get possession of the ball. So one of the hardest teams do score against hello andrew brayshaw um, one of the hardest teams to score because there's no marks there's no uncontested possessions and so jeremy sharp for me for that reason is a perfect guy to happily allow him to slide to m9 and through the rounds of two three five and six he's able to be on your field depending on what you've done through that midfield and now you, if you pop that ceiling, he pops into your best 18. He's not someone I'd feel super confident about having him on the field all the time. So rounds one and round four, where it's 22 on field. But in those best 18 weeks, it opens up that avenue, which does mean um, you can look at the Gouldens, the Greens, um, the Merritts, the Tarantos, uh, the Petrarcas, the Olivers, these types of players. Gosh, even a Tuke Miller. Um, he gives you now the option to go, you know what? I think Sharp on his day is capable of a ton. He's done it before at Gold Coast. And even in this matchup where a lot went against him, he still crept to a 50. He's the kind of guy that if you want the reason to start the Green and the Goulden, for example, Sharp on your bench, that there is a world where you've got to check the fixtures and the matchups that Jeremy Sharp leaves you at a net neutral score and you get that midfielder that you really want that others are fading because of the early buy. So I really think Jeremy Sharp is still vitally critical. I think if you're fading him, that is a huge mistake. He's in that best 22 as far as I'm concerned, and he's still got scoring potential. I, I like Simpson. I don't think he's going to see a whole ton of footy or scoring, but I liked him. Same with McDonald. Um, I'm not sure that job security is there, but I liked what I saw from him. In fact, there's a bunch of different Fremantle kids. You could throw Johnson into the mix of that as well. I go, okay, this team is closer than I think the general public would expect they are to, to being a contending side uh, that a lot of their forward structures and, and regular tolls out. So I'm not really too concerned about Fremantle. I think they're certainly going to be pushing the eight for us this year. And they're going to be one of the more fantasy relevant sides with guys like Sarong, Young, Brayshaw, Clark, um, rolling through there and that five. I think they're going to be really important for us. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Let's talk about Port Adelaide. Um, Zach Butters getting injured in the first handful of minutes of the game with a rolled ankle. He said himself he's hopeful um, that he'll be right to go for round one, but they're just so hard sometimes. Sometimes they're minor. Sometimes they just nag a little bit and, and other times they're quite serious. Um, this becomes to me one of the biggest decisions now of the preseason. When we hit our full strategy episode, when I assemble some of the other members of the panel, I want to put this conversation around Zach Butters front and center because a matchup against West Coast round one, for example, it's not exactly screaming, I have to pick Zach. It also, if he does get named, if he's not quite a hundred percent, it is the kind of game where you go, we're going to manage his load and let him spend a little bit more time forward. Yep, could still turn up, given what West Coast, unfortunately, seem to be looking like they're going to deliver for us in 2024, albeit preseason. So for me, I think Zach Butters, for a lot of people, had just been an absolute anchor in their midfield. And now that he's got an injury, which had historically, not last year, historically been a feature of his football now does mean we've got to reconsider. Not saying you should fade interest in him whatsoever, but rather just saying now that you've seen him out, you've seen him get injured, okay, we, we just need to gather some more information before we make our final decision as it could quite well drastically change our structure of what our midfield looks like in 2024. Um, as a result, the rest of that midfield like, it, it's really hard to know. Like, I actually really like the game of Mead. I think he's a cash cow that's not really being spoken about with that 112 in Supercoach, 90 in AFL Fantasy, 72% time on ground. He had a good center bounce role last week against the Crows in that practice match and, again, present here. But it's so hard to know what that's going to look like with Butters missing so much of the game. We were hoping to be able to see a little bit more confirmation around is he fifth fiddle in and guys like Juan Francis and Boak, but they then picked up opportunities through this game. So to me, Mead is someone I'm really, really quite interested in. I, I don't know if I'll start him, but I do think as a mid forward at this price point with that fixture, there's an opportunity, a role for him there in this midfield mix. I, I think he's there. I've probably got him at maybe fifth, or sixth in line through there. We know when they're fully fit, they're going to want to run Rosie, Wines, and also Butters through there. Horn Francis is number four. And then it's, is it a bit of Boke? Is it a bit of Drew? Is it a bit of Mead? Wait and see. The good thing is about Ken Hinckley and Port Adelaide is they're generally quite honest to the press and to the media about what they expect and are planning for a player to be and to do. So hopefully we can get some information about Mead because if he does play, He's another one of those really valuable forward cheap options that we have to consider. Ollie Wines, 27 possessions, 130 in super coach, 95 in dream team and fantasy. He is back in that midfield. And, and that's not just on Butters created the vacancy. Uh, we've seen it all preseason in these televised matches. Every single person that's gone down to match simulations and intra clubs, Louis from the coaches panel and Pod Pod, he's gone down to multiple. He's confirmed for us. He's playing his inside mid. He's fit, he's healthy, and he's in that price range with no early buys 
to me, he just feels like a, a really easy selection now and someone that I'm personally really quite happy to lock in. I, I think 100 is well within his capacity and super coach and 90 plus scoring in AFL fantasy still means even if he only gets to that sort of normative scoring of what he was doing, I think he's going to be a really nice pick and a really nice option for us. If you're big on Connor Rosie, Gosh, when you go 110 plus across the formats in a preseason, it really confirms everything you want to see. 26 possessions. I don't even know if you got out of neutral, let alone first gear, to be honest, in this game. Seven tackles, four marks. Um, the absence of Butters has zero compounding impact to him. He's probably their best player. He is an absolute superstar. And if you wanted to start Connor, I get it. I see it and I understand why he's, he's just fun to own. He scores in all the columns. Beautiful about the way he goes about his football. He's absolutely somebody that I really would encourage anybody. If you're like, oh, just I want a premium mid that's going to play through those early buys, that's going to help me throughout the season and has got captaincy potential, but not massive ceiling, but has got that captaincy potential, then you're looking at one in Connor Rosie. Uh, Soldo. Look, you shouldn't be looking at it at Classic, but I know for some draft owners, they are. I just don't like it. Um, I, I know he's shown at times and some moments that he can score okay at Richmond, but to me, yeah, that's not the ruckman you want on field. Let's put it that way as your, as your number one ruck there. So as you're heading towards draft day, and if you've got Ivan Soldo and you're like, ah, got Soldo as my ruck and I'm going to pair him with Sweet. Yeah, I, I don't like that for your ruck line. Um, if he's your bench cover and it creates options and avenues, sure, no problem. But to me, I, I, I don't like an Ivan Soldo in your ruck. That's there. And Jason Horn Francis, just just keep a little sneaky eye on him. It, it wouldn't shock me this year if he averages 100 in Supercoach. Really wouldn't shock me. There's just enough of these little signs that the speed and power is there. The confidence is an ability in his body and his teammates is there. And finally, now I feel like he's got the miles and power in his legs to be able to really impact. So I like him a lot, and I think there's an opportunity for him there. And then lastly, I do need to mention a Dan Houston. Really, really strong scoring premium defender for us last year. That role is holding. The plenty of ball winning is there. He's pushing up the ground. He's given us tons across the formats in this matchup. If, again, you were bullish on a Dan Houston before this matchup, you've seen nothing to change your tune about that. Personally, I think he's priced at what his capacity is. I don't see another gear for him to go up to be able to add five, 10 points per game on top of his price point. So for me, I'm fading interest and in my starting squad, I'd rather get some upside or some guys that I think have got higher scoring capacity than him if I'm paying up at that top end in our defensive line. But if you're into him because you know the consistency, you love it helps you through the buys and you love the uniqueness, then yeah, be my guest and go and select Dan Houston. But do you agree or disagree with my take on, on some of these players? Is there a player that you would have loved me to have a reflection on? If you're watching this on YouTube, you can comment below on any of these players or someone that you'd love to get my reflection on. And I'll reply to you in the comments section below. If you haven't subscribed and turn your notifications on yet, you need to go and do that. And if you're listening to these audio podcasts, make sure you've subscribed to the channel and left a five-star rating. Our Patreons are getting a ton of bonus content at the moment. And for as little as $2 a month, you can start to get levels of extra content and access from us. All Patreons are getting our draft rankings for AFL Fantasy. They're out 
now so you can go and get them as well as our rookie guide which is over 100 pages long as well as an accompanying podcast going through all the important rookies that we need to talk about for 2024 if you want to get your hands on that when it gets out you need to become a patreon all the details are in the description of this episode hey thanks so much for tuning in we've still got a couple more matches to review and then we continue back on the strategy dynamic and look back at large at what these nine games have taught us as we head towards opening round and then ultimately round one where the lockout begins. Give it a go. Now give it truth.